Good morning, my brothers and sisters. It is good to be back with you. I have really missed you. I appreciate the time that you allowed me and my clergy covenant peer group. Uh, It's a group of four of us. We've been together for 22 years in ministry uh, to get away for a spiritual retreat in Montana and Wyoming. And uh, we hiked, we read, we prayed, uh, we fasted, we did all kinds of things just to renew our spirits. Uh, And I come today just thanking you, renewed in the spirit, and just uh, have a good chance just to get away and spend time growing closer to God and to my friends and uh, just looking at our ministries and looking forward to what lies ahead. And so it's just a good time to recharge. And so I'm back and ready to go. So watch out. But <laughs> uh, after I get through the jet lag, of course. But uh, no, it was a great time away. And I just I really appreciate the opportunity that you allow me uh, to do that, to spiritually renew. Uh, and it's a big week uh, this past week while I was gone. Uh, I'm excited to say that on this past Friday, uh, we closed on the property uh, with our partner, Childress Klein, and we can give God some praise for that. That's five years in the making, and so now we're excited to begin uh, getting into developing our property and rebuilding our campus. And so lots of exciting things that we'll be sharing uh, in the weeks and months ahead. And so praise be to God uh, for calling us to be the spiritual crossroads of the South Park community. Also a very tough week, as Pastor Nancy said in her prayer, uh, for those victims and families and community, uh, Santa Fe High School, just south of Houston, Texas, as those uh, children uh, and one teacher were killed Uh, That makes it in 2018, on average, we've had one school shooting per week. And so when you stop and think about that, that is staggering. Uh, And our world is desperate, desperate for the good news of Jesus. And that's why we're here. And so we'll continue to pray and try to show the world a different story. And so our hearts and our our prayers go out uh, with the folks uh, down in Texas. Very grateful to Kevin for delivering uh, God's Word last week and hope you all had a very good Mother's Day. Uh, We are in chapter 18 of the story today, the story uh, in the book of Daniel. Uh, And so uh, if you're new to our congregation, I'm Pastor Kyle. just want to welcome you here. As uh, Pastor Nancy said, encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center on the way out and grab a copy of the story. This is an abridged version of the Bible that we're reading through the whole year. Uh, Our current sub-series within that is Monsters. Uh, And we look at things that try to attack our faith and, and keep us from God. Uh, we, we have, um, our children are sending in uh, pictures of monsters uh, that they have drawn. And Maylin, do we have the one for this week? Can you bring that up? Uh, Jacob Garman is our contest winner. Uh, and that was uh, done randomly. So that's a pretty good monster. So for next week, we'll begin chapter 19. But let's begin just with a brief recap uh, of chapter 18. When I was in the sixth grade, I met a boy uh, in my class named Walter. I didn't realize it, but we were going to become good friends, best friends, and we were lifelong friends. And when we grew up, we were each in uh, each other's weddings. Uh, He has one child, a son, and he named him Kyle after me. I'm uh, his godfather. A very humbling thing. Uh, And looking back, you know, when you're 12 years old and you meet someone, you don't don't know what's in store. And so that was a providential relationship, I believe, that God brought us together. 
One of the deep regrets in my life, though, was that when I was 12 years old and had just met Walter and became his friend, uh, Walter was not in the popular crowd in school. And so I was a little bit ashamed uh, that he was my friend and tried to kind of hide that friendship. Uh, And so that was and continues to be one of the deepest regrets of my life. Now, I eventually matured and got through that and said, this is my friend and I don't care what you think about that. But that took some time to get there. Um, So when I was writing this message before I went away on my trip, uh, it reminded me of this passage of scripture that Jesus says in Luke's gospel. Uh, I'm going to read to you in just a minute. uh, And it's kind of set in the context of Jesus is talking about if if you want to follow me, uh, then you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And he's saying this to his disciples who I'm not sure that they understand exactly what's going to happen because the crucifixion hasn't happened yet. Uh, but that's kind of the pretext for this, this challenging passage of Scripture that actually has something to do with uh, my relationship with my friend Walter in the sixth grade. So let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 26. Uh, these are the words of Jesus. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man... That's another title for Jesus. Will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus, and my words, the Son of Man, Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Now, I think this kind of has a dual meaning. I think it means that when Jesus came back to life after he was executed, that if someone was ashamed of him, then, then he would be ashamed of them as well. So this is like a first century kind of thing. But I think it's also uh, meaning that when at the end of time, uh, when Jesus comes back uh, to, to earth in his full body, his bodily resurrected form, uh, that uh, all the dead will be resurrected and we will all stand before Jesus in judgment. The whole world will be judged. Uh, and I think it means that if we are ashamed of Jesus now, that when he returns at the end of time and we're all resurrected before he recreates the new earth that we're going to live on for eternity, that he will be ashamed of us. And I don't know about you, but that sometimes makes me nervous. And I wonder, have I been ashamed of Jesus? Am I ashamed of Jesus in the way that I live my life in a similar way that I was ashamed of my friend Walter? And if so, how can I reverse that? Because when God comes back to judge me and I'm in my resurrected body, I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, you know, Kyle, I'm sorry, but you were ashamed of me. And so now I'm ashamed of you. And so, man, I want to know that I'm not ashamed of Jesus. So what does that look like in our life because when the time comes, I want to be ready because I want to spend eternity with God and in all of you and in the glorious you know, kingdom that he's going to recreate here on the planet Earth. And so I'm looking forward to that day. So I don't know if, if, if you feel like that, if that's a fear that you might have or attention you might have, or maybe it's the first time you've heard that scripture and you think, well, you know, what's that all about? Well, the good news is that today in the Old Testament, Uh, the story that we read and we just saw is going to help us kind of understand how we don't have to be ashamed of God in our lives. And so uh, we're going to jump into the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Uh, And what's happened is the nation of Israel has been uh, in a kind of a civil war. They've been divided into the north and the south. About 720 years before Jesus was born, the north was unfaithful to God and they fell to a foreign army from the country of Assyria. 
Now, 586 years before Jesus was born, the southern kingdom called Judah, who hang on, hung on a lot longer than the northern kingdom, now they've been unfaithful to God, uh, and they've been taken over by a foreign government, by a foreign country called Babylon. And the Babylonians have come in and they've killed a lot of the Israelites. They've knocked down their uh, temple where they worshiped and they've taken the best and the brightest and a lot of the young people and they've deported them to Babylon. And now they're infusing them with Babylonian culture to where they'll think like Babylonians and act like Babylonians and worship like Babylonians. If you, if you can only imagine if North Korea or ISIS came in and defeated the United States and, and killed a big bunch of our, of our country and you know, burned down our churches and in our Washington, D.C. and then deported uh, the best and the brightest and the youngest of America, either to North Korea or to the Middle East, and raised them in their tradition. Right? That's what's going on here. And so uh, they've taken four young men and they've renamed them with Babylonian names. They've named them Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Uh, that's a, quite a mouthful. I'm getting ready to read that like, like five times. So y'all pray for me that I can say that without getting tongue twisted. Uh, but we're going to focus on Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon thinks a lot of himself. And he's constructed a 90-foot statue of himself in gold, uh, no ego there, and uh, wants people to worship that statue. And so the people, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who love God and have tried to be different and to follow God, even in the midst of this foreign country that they find themselves in, are going to be faced with a real dilemma. Are we going to stand up for God? Are we going to be ashamed of God and cave, cave in and give in to what Nebuchadnezzar says? So if you have your Bibles with you or your tablets or you just want to look up on the screen, we're going to be in Daniel 3 for a little while this morning, uh, starting with verse 12. Uh, this is a report that some of the Babylonians are making to King Nebuchadnezzar. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. So there's some Babylonian tattletales uh, who have it in for these, these three Jewish folks. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? See, they say the names again and again and again. <laughs> that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up. Right? It's hard to be different in the kingdom of Babylon. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music... Kathy, can we play the zither sometime? I'd like to hear what that, what that is. Uh, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, then very good for you. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? 
Pastor Nancy mentioned that today is Pentecost Sunday, which is a great Sunday. And, and it says that the disciples were, had gathered together after Jesus ascended into heaven. They were waiting on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came and it said that the, the Spirit descended like tongues of fire. It looked like tongues of fire coming down on the disciples. And it allowed them to begin to speak different languages because people from all over the world had gathered. And so they were able to speak about Jesus in different people's languages. And, and that's when the church was born. Over 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. And so we celebrate that today. Amen. That's not the fire that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing. right? They say that integrity is who we are when no one's looking. And that's a powerful test of our character. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing a very difficult task. Who are they going to be when everyone is looking? Right? So if they continue to worship God, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace and burned to death. And so now everyone's intention is on them, especially the most important person, and that's King Nebuchadnezzar, who has the power over life or death. And so they're faced with quite the dilemma. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Our God can deliver us from you and this fiery furnace. Here's my favorite verse. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. God can save us. But even if he does not, even if we go in and burn to death in this painful, horrible way, we will not serve you because we serve the one true God. Talk about daring to be different standing up for God, not being ashamed of what we believe in. These three young men exemplify that. So he cast them in. He gets the furnace stoked up to where it's seven times as hot as it's ever been. The men who threw them in catch on fire and die themselves. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are cast into this furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty, there were three. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, some interpreters say this is an angel of God that's come to protect them. Some even make the leap to say this might even be Jesus himself. Right, well, whatever it is, it's something supernaturally happening and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are okay and Nebuchadnezzar is freaking out and so he calls them to come out and they're not even singed, not one little bit. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. 
Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So not only did their faith in God show they were not ashamed of God, not only did God rescue them, but the king who worshipped false gods, who worshipped himself, had to recognize that their God was the true God. What an amazing story. And I just wonder if I had lived back in the day of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would I have been able to do the same thing as them? Would you have been able to make the same choice when we're faced with this fiery furnace, not knowing whether or not God would deliver us? Could we stand before the king and say it doesn't matter? We worship the one and only God, and we're not ashamed of that. And whatever you do to us, you can do to us. How would we have responded? So what? So what is this story about? What, what are we to learn from this? What does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego teach us? And they teach us many things. And, but I think the, the, the key takeaway, the so what moment from this story is that faith shapes character. Our faith in God shapes who we are. When no one is looking, when everyone is looking, when we feel that peer pressure, our faith shapes our character and we will act accordingly. And I think that our faith grows through a relationship with God. The closer we are to God, the more that we're going to want to follow God and we're not going to be ashamed of who we follow or what we do, no matter what difficulties that we face. I mean, you think about it in our lives, our families and our close friends, you know, sometimes they might, you know, embarrass us or, you know, like my dad used to wear these black socks to the beach and pull them all the way up to his knees and, you know, or, you know, kids want the parents to drop them off, you know, a block away from the school or things like that. But, you know, when push comes to shove, we're going to have our family's backs. When push comes to shove, we're going to stand beside our friends, you know, even if they embarrass us sometimes. Why? Because the relationship is more important than anything else. And so if our relationship with God is strong, our faith in God is strong, that is going to shape who we are and how we live our lives in private and in public. Faith shapes character. Can you say that with me? Faith shapes character. So... What is our character? What is our faith? Thankfully, we live in a country where if we come to worship, they're not going to throw us in a fiery furnace. And so, you know, our, our tests are a little bit different. When I was flying back from Montana this week, uh, just yesterday, I was looking over the sermon. I'd written it before I went out to Montana. So I was trying to refresh myself and getting ready for today. And, you know, I just thought for a minute, you know, what if some terrorist stands up on the plane, they take over the plane and, you know, they're serving ISIS or whoever. And, and they said, OK, we want to know who the Christians are because we're going to execute you right now. Right. What would I have done? Right? I'm trying to get home to my wife and my two children and my family and you all. And if, if I had that, that, that test in front of me, I hope that I would have the faith and the character to stand up to say, I love Jesus Christ. Right. 
But the odds of that happening are so small, it's, it's not even you know, worth really worrying about, I don't think. I mean, it can happen, and it has happened, but you know, I think our challenges of having faith and living character lives for Jesus are much more subtle. Right? Today, the, the, the monster that attacks our faith is persecution. And in America, our persecution looks a little bit different than the people of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if we're living in a country in the world today where it's illegal to be a Christian. So what does it mean to be ashamed for Jesus today? I think it's, I think it's subtle. It can be as subtle as, man, I feel a little uncomfortable when I say a prayer uh, out at a restaurant before, before I eat because people might look at me and and think there's something you know weird about me, or or maybe you know I'm in high school or middle school and I go to a party and, and there's alcohol there and, and there's a lot of pressure and I know I'm underage and it's not something I'm supposed to be doing and I don't think Jesus would want me to do that and, and but there's peer pressure if I give in to that then you know am I really standing up for what I believe in standing up for God or when we're adults or in college you know and, or at work and we're off with some of our colleagues and someone you know brings out some marijuana or some heroin and you know, puts pressure on us to, to do something like that. Or we're with a group of guys from work and, and some of them want to look at some pornography on the computer or go to the strip club. And, and we know that's not the right thing to do, but there's a lot of pressure and, and we're called to do that. Or maybe we're just gathered together with a few of our friends and, and we know some of our friends are big gossips and they love to assassinate people's character behind their back. And if, if we don't give in to that, then they're going to think there's something wrong with us and maybe they'll start talking about us. Or, you know, maybe we're around somebody who tells a lot of sexist jokes and a lot of racist jokes. And, 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 and you know, it's, we just don't want to not laugh because it might make us fall out of favor with them. I think those are instances where we don't stand up to do the right thing and, and we're ashamed of God. And, and it's much more subtle. But do you all know that peer pressure? Do you feel that? No matter what our age is and what, our, what we do or where we are, I think we all face the pressure of the group sometimes to go away from what God would have us to do. I wonder when Jesus comes back if he's going to be ashamed that we empower and enable our children to shoot each other. One school shooting every week in this country this year in 2018. What's the answer? Is it gun control? Is it working with at-risk children? Is it all of the above? I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but is God going to be ashamed that we enable our children to kill each other? I think so. In your life, in my life, how have we, through our actions, shown that we don't stand with God, that, that we are ashamed of Jesus and we are ashamed to stand with Him when the crowd is against Him? So... Now what do we do about it? If faith shapes our character, now what? what? What do we do? I think that we dare to be different. I think Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were raised in a foreign land. They were taught everything against who they were, but they dared to stand up for what they believed in. They dared to do the right thing. And, and so when we stand against society, we stand with Jesus, right? And, and so to do that, we have to be anchored in our faith. Right? We, have to, we have to have a vibrant worship life. We have to read our Bibles. We, we, we need to pray. We need to be in life groups. We need to serve God. We, we need to cultivate the relationship with Jesus. And we need to ask Jesus for help. And be honest. Say, you know what, Jesus, sometimes I admit I, I've been ashamed of you. And I'm sorry. I don't want to be that person. 
And Jesus, I can't do it without you. I need you to come in and infuse me with your spirit and, and help me to be so much in love with you that, that when I'm faced with a dilemma uh, that, that goes against you, that I'm going to stand with you even if it's not a popular decision, even if people make fun of me, even if people think that I'm crazy because, Jesus, you're number one in my life and I cannot do it without you. And so what I'd like to just challenge you all to do is, is, is this week be on the lookout. I'm guessing that all of us are going to face a decision this week where we're going to feel some kind of peer pressure to do something that goes against who we are as Christians. And I want you to be ready for that. And I want you to be prayed up for that. And when it comes to ask God to give you the power to stand with Jesus and do the right thing. And I believe he'll give you the power. I believe he'll give me the power. Right. And and so I think that's a powerful thing. And and, and if, if sometimes we get it wrong, you know what? Jesus loves us. We can, we can ask for forgiveness, and he's going he's gonna to forgive us, right? But I think the more that we walk with Jesus, the easier it's going to be. Right? So what if we all started doing this? What if we all started nurturing our relationship with Jesus? What if we started daring to be different? Right? What would that look like? I think it's going to look really great when Jesus comes back and we're resurrected and we stand before him in judgment that we're going to be glad when he says, I'm not ashamed of you. Like, well done, good and faithful servant. And he's going to give us a big hug, right? That's what I want for myself. and <laughs> That's what I want for all of you as well, right? And that, that's going to be a glorious day. But there, I think there's, there's things in this life that are going to be powerful. You know, if we stand up to the crowd and we say no to something, you know what? I will guarantee there'll be somebody else in the crowd who's wanting to stand up, but they don't have the courage, they don't have the guts to do it. But when they see us stand up, they're probably going to stand with us. Amen. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He worshiped himself. He worshiped false gods. He had an ego so big, he built a 90-foot tall statue of himself. When he saw the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did he do? He repented. He said, I was wrong, and this God is right. And so when we stand up for God, we might help someone else stand up for God. And when they see God in the eternal judgment, they're going to be grateful for us because we help them come to know who Jesus is. Faith shapes character. Dare to be different. Be not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.